Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. And this week, I wanted to remind you again, if I could, that uh, Dave and Faith Matthews from APR Coffee, the original sponsor of this podcast, American Pride Roasters Coffee, they suffered uh, a loss of everything uh, earlier this month in a tornado when it hit their house and took everything but their lives. Uh, They're in Des Moines, Iowa. Please keep them in mind if you have the means to donate to their rebuild efforts. Uh, you can head to atthemikeshow.com. Click on the blog section at the top of the page, and that will take you to where the donation link is. Atthemikeshow.com, the blog section. Anything you can do to help Dave and Faith and Mr. Clarence, their very cute puppy dog. Uh, they would be so grateful. Uh, just a just a wonderful couple, and I'm so grateful to know them. Anything you can do to help would be appreciated. Now we will get on to today's episode, as was already put together, with my friend Toby McAvoy. That's today's episode of At The Mic. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Well, Toby McAvoy recently sat down with me for an At The Mic conversation. Many of you know me from my day job with Pat Gray Unleashed over on the Blaze TV and radio networks. That's how I met Toby. He lives in Las Vegas where there are plenty of stories to be told. He sat down and told me some of those stories and so much more on this week's edition of At The Mic. Joined here today in studio with... Toby McAvoy. Yes, that's me. Yes, McAvoy. Right. Uh, six letters. Okay. Three syllables. Accent on the first one where there's no vowel. I, I I wasn't told there would be math, Toby. I'm sorry. So you were born in Sacramento, California, back in the '60s. Yes, that's true. And uh, by the way, people don't recognize uh, um, instantaneously, and they should. You are a pathead. A, a, I guess a a listener of uh, probably a viewer. Yes, a viewer, a Blaze membership for a very long we time. We appreciate that, man. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's how I know you is through Twitter. Yes. And being an audience member of my day job, Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just so grateful that you and Chris drove all the way out here from Las Vegas. We did. I'm surely just for this interview, just for just this conversation, for and you're going to actually interview. get in the car and turn around and head back home. 16 hours back, yes. Drop wow. in, talk about myself a whole lot, and then 16 hours back. And that's dedication. Right. And I appreciate it. But you were born back in uh, 1966, Sacramento, I, California. Yes. But it wasn't long until you and the family moved to Dayton, Ohio. That is correct. So my folks met as civil servants. Okay. At McClellan Air Force Base oh. near uh, in the Sacramento area. And dad was working a job where they were sh- uh, schlepping them off to Dayton a lot. And so at some point they said, why don't we just move <laughs> you to the Dayton right, area right. since you've been visiting Wright Patterson so much. Uh-huh. And so, um, well, yeah, again, not military. Okay. Um, well, mom, in fact, mom was not working at the time. Um, a bone of contention of the family is that mom actually stopped working after she had me. Oh. She continued to work while she had the other kids but the the fifth oh. of five maybe the family shows up and she stops working that's what i want to ask you you are the fifth of five, fifth of five children yes. were you picked on or were you the baby of the family all of it mm-hmm. um most notably though is that mom and dad were careful not to use the fr- uh, word mistake it was always surprise <laughs> hang on a second <laughs> What's the difference in age gap 
between you and the fourth? So mom had her first at age 20. Okay. She had me at age 40. All right. So what's so there's, was, there's, how old was she when the fourth child was born? Uh, let's see. Quick math. Mm-hmm. Uh, 33, I believe. Yes. Aw, what a surprise, huh? Yeah. So there's, <laughs> uh, well, and so mom was married three times. She found something she liked to do and she kept doing it apparently. Wow. Um, zero, no children for the first husband. Okay. Two from the second. I got you. Three from the third. Okay. And the, then the children are spaced with two really close together in the mid to late 40s. And then like a seven or eight year gap. And then two more 14 months apart. Almost Irish twins. And then me way down the line. A surprise. Yes. Not a mistake. Not a mistake. Got a surprise. It. So what's your early, earliest memory then? Well, let's see. Um, it could be the moving trucks. Yeah. At age four. Like, what, what, what are these huge trucks and why is no, there no furniture in our living room? I don't recall feeling sad about that. I was going to ask you, were you you're just... Everyone else seems to be moving. I guess I'm going with them. Uh-huh. My, I'm, I'm going to guess. But there was also an incident. I, I, why it is that I felt the need to hold up what was essentially a piggy bank, although it was a tiger, and it was ceramic, and I held it up over my head, and I guess I wanted to test gravity and just dropped it. The other thing I remember, suddenly, everyone else in the house stopped talking. So I didn't know if I was trying to split up an argument or grab attention to myself as wow. a three- or four-year-old might do. So that one sticks in the head as well. Okay, but the follow-up to that is how much money was in the piggy bank? Oh, not a whole lot. I wasn't, I wasn't so good with numbers at that point. <laughs> but that's what, that, that, that's what you went on to get a degree in. Got mathematics. Mathematics. And Man. I and I didn't even go the math education route. I tried to do a computer science concentration with it. That didn't go well because I couldn't spend enough time in the lab. Someone tried to talk me into going a physics route with it or getting a physics minor. I'm like, you people must be nuts. It is a mathematics degree with a pure mathematics option. <laughs> I spent a lot of time writing proofs. A lot of the later math, you just don't see numbers. You'll see maybe zeros, ones, and a lot of Greek letters that all stand for something. Right. But um, And this is Wright State University. Wright State University, Dayton, Ohio. I mean, seriously, like, I can't imagine taking one math class, much less majoring in it. Yep. Do you ever, like, at some point want to vomit numbers? Or do you just enjoy it? Because I mean, my brain can't wrap. It, it was seriously a happy place. Huh. Absolutely a happy place to, uh, especially uh, especially the first year. People, the listeners are going to think I'm nuts. The first year of calculus classes. Now this was back when that uh, university was in quarters, not in semesters, like everyone else is in Ohio. So the first three quarters of algebra, the honors sequence. So we had to learn a few extra things than the everyone else had to learn. But uh, you know. It, Figuring out derivatives, antiderivatives, if you take the shape of a curve and you flip it around the x-axis, what's its volume? Oh, great fun. Great fun. Ugh, it doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> now, <laughs> I have run into this problem where if people ask me to apply anything, if a bunch of numbers, manipulate a bunch of numbers, great. Stick dollar signs in front of them, I'm lost. Oh. We studied at one point related rates, which is one example is I've got this funnel that, that releases liquid at some rate and then i've got this brine that has this percentage of water to salt how much salt is coming down okay you just put uh some units behind this and a practical application to this i have suddenly lost interest wow how it is i did not find practical application math teacher life or math professor life kind of kind of a a miracle that i uh, went into something reasonable how have you applied that in your career field like what do you do so the current career is in data warehousing. 
I am um, about 30 years into an IT career. The last 20 have been in data warehousing. Wow. And that is mostly taking seemingly disparate types of data and putting them in one place so that data analysts and application writers and other people can do one-stop shopping for what they need to do. Okay, so data is warehoused in one location. A, how do they go about keeping all of that data cool, especially when there's no water nearby? True. And number two on that is um, what prevents some sort of all-out like physical attack on these? Because if, if you know, if I know where Facebook's data is warehoused, certainly a bad guy does. And this goes with company after company after company. So what are the preventative measures from keeping those places safe? So the physical warehousing is not where my specialty is. So I completely asked you a question that you have no... Uh... But I am not in any hurry to attempt to BS an answer because there's a skill I do not have. Okay, all right, all right. Well, gee, I'll just be editing that part out. No, okay. So, okay, so when you were a kid... Did you think, man, I want to I want to do this kind of job? I did I didn't understand careers as a kid, but some some pixies over my shoulder as an elementary kid get a math degree. You're going to get a math degree. Wow. The math degree is what you want. And I don't even know how I knew what those words were, but I'm sure I I, I can even envision a time in first or second grade where that was some prevailing I don't even know if I knew what the word goal was at mm -hmm. that age. But yeah, math degree. Go get the math degree. And that carried me for a good long time. And I almost veered uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but God bless mom. She did her, I don't want to call it passive-aggressive best. Subtle? <laughs> she, she, she was subtle. And at some point, I was leaning toward um, going the, the music route. Music educator, yeah, that's possibly what I piano you. pedagogy and things like that. Because you call music a second career for you, basically. It, re it really is. So mom did manage to, over uh, maybe a period of a couple of weeks or a month when I was in later high school, hey, you know, that music thing is easier to keep as a hobby and go pursue this math thing and find out what it's about rather than try to do it the other, the other way around. Do you ever regret not pursuing a full-blown career in music? I do not regret that. Because you get... It, it, now, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it seems like you could find outlets for music and have a career in math as opposed to outlets for math and have a career in music. Absolutely. And that is how that it's, this has gone and has contributed to the success I enjoy right now. Okay. So I ask the question, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you? You list your partner, Chris. Yep. Tell us about him. Because he's here in the studio. He's here in the right studio. Right now. And so it's not like the pressure is on for you to answer this question but properly. If, it, if there's one thing that <laughs> goes less smoothly than me publicly offering him compliments, uh -huh. it's him accepting publicly offered compliments. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Let's also ask this question. Because I said, you know, there's another question where I say, are you married, name of spouse? And you just say that you and Chris are not married. But why is that? Because obviously that is available to you. It why is. not? We continue to believe that marriage is among one man, one woman, and God. We can't provide that, so we're not going to do it. And just because the government says it's acceptable, certainly that's not going to be an excuse for us to do it. <laughs> um, marriage licenses were created to keep the races from mixing, right? Mm-hmm. Why would I want to support that? Yeah. And the other thing I believe I answered, and I'm never sure if Chris believe, uh, believes this as strongly as I do. Um, 
I take the institution of marriage far too seriously to actually participate in it myself. Because I've reached out to you on occasion and just get your perspective as, and I hate to use this phrase because it, it, it really takes the individual out of the equation when you say, as a member of the gay community. Right. But I do appreciate your perspective. Oh, wait, should we show them our membership cards? Yeah. We oh, got we that? don't have those. Oh, no, really? Oh, no. We uh, have a lot of people that do not, we have a lot of friends, we have a lot of heterosexual friends who do not understand our viewpoints on things. Hmm. Now, they'll keep coming back and they'll keep asking our opinions on things so that's something huh. yeah okay very good all right so recently i can totally identify with this you lost a cat that you had for 17 years 17 years your your cat was tiger yes um you know i still miss my gertrude mm -hmm. i mean 17 and a half years i mean think of th this is what this is what's so sad about losing pets and my gosh how many times do i mention losing pets on this podcast it just comes <laughs> up i gotta take this question out but <laughs> it is something that is in common with a lot of people you'll talk to and a lot of people right. that will listen so it's it's an yeah. easy topic to have commonality i guess so but it's so depressing because from the minute you adopt this animal into your life you know you're 95 percent chance you're gonna outlive this creature it's and the price we pay for that is. unconditional love and i hate that yes. price but also the i guess cool aspect of it is you think about when you first got that animal and all the milestones in your life until because i figure you can identify because me with gert 17 years i was in college when she died, I was married with three kids and had moved like seven times, right? Mm -hmm. So you can think of all of these markers in your life from the beginning and the end of a pet's life that you've had for such a long time. I'm yep. sure it's the same with you and Tiger. Absolutely. So before I met Chris, I had adopted George. George was loitering at um, a friend's place and they couldn't uh, adopt anymore. And somebody convinced me, you need to adopt a cat. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so I adopted George met Chris. Chris and I moved in together. Chris had the smart idea, George needs a playmate. So that's how we had Charlie, female Charlie. Then we lost George. Then Charlie was lonely. Mm -hmm. Then um, It's always the trap. Charlie you know needed a playmate, <laughs> so there was Franklin. Uh, Franklin was pretty marvelous, except we did have to warn people Franklin was a, a beige tabby, and I just had to remind people, be for beige, be for bite. <laughs> oh, no, man. Franklin was, mm -hmm. and he, he, he was something special. So then we were going to adopt one more while we were in Cincinnati, and so a friend of ours... So maybe she's a crazy cat lady, or maybe she's just an animal lover, but she is the type of woman who always drives around with uh, spare cat and dog food in her car in case she sees a stray. Oh, no. And so she was uh, no. living on a, a decent chunk of land she had adopted among the other animals she had there. She had two pregnant females who had litters at about the same time. So she had a... What's the collective noun for cats? I don't know. Um, she had a whole bunch Rude. of cats. <laughs> a, a, a noisy meow of cats. I don't know. Um, she a meow had, of cats. We're going to start doing that. We're going to start using We're going to make that stick. We can't figure out the collective noun. Make one up. Uh-huh. Um, so she had a bunch of cats that she needed to find homes for. And so we said, well, bring them by. We'll pick one, which meant we picked two. Oh, and so that was Henry and Tiger. So we're in Cincinnati. We have four cats. And it's a great time. Um, four cats, they got along pretty well. And then came... That's your high watermark, four cats. Four cats. Yeah, four, yeah, four at one See, time. See, uh, Carrie and I have been there uh, with four cats. And um, you just kind of... If, if I don't know if this applies to your world, but uh, 
at some point you just kind of seed one of the rooms to the cats. This is the cat room. Just you, you guys, I'm putting all your crap in here. This is where you're going to be. Cats kind of had the basement back you know, okay. when we used to live in places that had basements right. in Southwest Ohio. Right. So yeah, there, there was that. And then they would they would usually pair off, whether it was the older two, the younger oh, wow. two, the two men, the two women, huh. um, mix it up and keep us confused. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. The middle two, the outer two. So um, that, that was good. Anyway, so <laughs> the move to Vegas occurs and we find that we have to also move four cats to vegas oh hold on a second i'm having flashbacks yeah ours was four cats from houston to omaha your four cat move was cincinnati to las vegas oh no so we had to fly them and we flew them two at a time and it was a lot of paperwork because they had to be was it vaccinated or tested what no, it was. I'm looking to Chris for some words I'm uh-huh. missing because he had to do a lot of it. Because I, I moved in January 2008. Chris uh, hung back in Cincinnati for a while to take care of a lot of personal things that, that were on his list. So for a good period of time, three months, Chris, large house, four cats, oh, blow up mattress, laptop, alarm clock. Did yeah. I miss anything? I think that was <laughs> so. That's how he lived. Oh. oh, and one of the cats, at least one of the cats, had a sharp enough nail that yeah. the blow up mattress oh, yeah. kept collapsing each that night. My, that was my world. <laughs> that was my world because I moved. Uh, so we had we moved two cats from Nebraska to Atlanta, and then in Atlanta we adopted a cat that was hanging around. So now we had three. And then when I was in Houston by myself before Carrie got there. I adopted a cat that was hanging around because there was uh, Tropical Storm Allison, look it up, 38 inches mm. of rain fell near my apartment complex, and this little kitten that I had seen cross the road with all its little brothers and sisters and mom about a week before this hurricane came, I this I, I knew exactly what his story was, right? And so I tried to adopt this cat out, Clarence, and... And so I couldn't find a home by the time Carrie arrived with the other three cats. So we had four cats in a 960 square foot apartment. Kill me now. Oh. Yeah. It, it was, it, we had. I don't know how you don't just either kick them or stumble. We had issues. Yes. <laughs> so before she got there, because I was roughing it with just an air mattress, a card table, maybe a microwave, something like that in this apartment. And sure enough, the cat just. So now I'm literally sleeping on the floor, waking up at 2 a.m. to produce Pat Gray's show in Houston every morning and driving, you know, 45 minutes into town on no sleep. Uh, it was it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. But my point is, you talk about moving the cats. When we finally moved from Houston to Omaha and we had to take the four cats with us, by now we had a baby And, oh, it was so much fun, but I will never forget, because we didn't fly them, we drove them, I will never forget the workout I got trying to sneak these four cats into the hotel, knowing there's cameras everywhere, going up three flights of stairs, and just this heavy thing with four cats, (laughs) this huge, huge um, uh, cat carrier, a dog carrier, really, is what it was. It was Mm -hmm. for a big dog. I'm just like, because I'm I'm cheap, man. I ain't paying no 50 bucks an animal to to Mm -hmm. spend a night in this joint in Salina, Kansas. But uh, yeah, there was something with uh, us flying the cats uh-huh. where they had to uh, pass some exam mm. within a, a small number of days before putting them on the plane. Yeah. There was a, this balancing act of 
can the plane that you intend to put these pets on accommodate pets during the week because the weekends apparently are just not possible <laughs> and then you have to get the pet to the vet pass the test in a short enough period of time and so we did a uh, two by two insert joke here um so two <laughs> two cats came out then two other cats came out based on chris's schedule and he was just keeping all the plates spinning in the air absolutely insane time but so yes we did move all four cats out so that was 2008 okay. 2009 we lose charlie 2010, we lose Franklin. 2011, we lose Henry. And so now we have little Tiger left, and we, we had agreed, okay, once this marvelous little bundle of joy reaches the end of her natural life, we are done being pet owners. Mm -hmm. This has been marvelous. This has been a great experience, and I enjoy other people's pets. That's just fine. But, hey, let's uh, unencumber our, ourselves of something we don't really need to do right now. I think most people so, get to that point. Yes. All right. I want to go back to um, to your music skills here, because you took 15 years of piano lessons. 15 from, years of piano okay, lessons. Because I, I've been playing golf. I took lessons when I was a kid. I've been playing golf since I was 12. You know, so that puts me at like 33, 34 years of playing golf, and I'm still terrible. <laughs> I assume that your lessons have paid off. Um, I do not just sit down at the piano because I feel like it. Hmm. That is absolutely one one issue. Waste of time. You, you, right. You have to. You're you're goal oriented. Uh, yeah. You imagine say? that. Imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. It, it does tend to have a purpose. So there are times when I will have a new piece of music that I have to learn, and I will realize, have I really studied this instrument for fifty years? Because it sure doesn't sound like it. Oh. Part of it might be the vision. I have kind of old person vision. Mm. Um, and well, as the nice optometrist explained to me, as we age, because those are three words you want to hear from any doctor at Boy, any that, time. That, that, you ain't fooling. <laughs> that is a terrible phrase to start hearing. But what has happened over the past two or three years is, uh, I got to get the phrase right, it's the vitreous fluid detachment. So it's not a detached retina. It's not anything really damaging. It is as we age, the fluid that our eyes sit around in can become gelatinous. Oh, and wow. um, it might become gelatinous as it's trying to separate from the eye. And oh. that's where the floaters come from. No. So, so I have um, a set of floaters that has been hanging around I think I'm about to celebrate the third anniversary or possibly fourth anniversary. And the way this really affects me is that I can look at you and I can look at Chris and two seconds later, I can focus on Chris because the floater has gone. Oh, wow. Okay. Then come back to you. And there you are. So oh, wow. when one is glancing down at the fingers on the keys uh -huh. and glancing back up at the music there, now it's in focus. It's beastly yeah. and so that is causing a part of the problem as well that i would love to be able to have my eyes and fingers react as mm -hmm. quickly as they did 10 20 30 years ago but that's a bit of a challenge so um i've been told oh it'll it'll all just clear up or your brain will get used to it but back to music and yeah, not and my failing health because no, i'm old no no <laughs> oh trust me we could do a whole podcast just on uh i mean i don't oh, break, yeah i well, don't break as many body parts as you do uh, yeah that's true yeah mm -hmm. okay uh, uh <laughs> Again, that's a whole nother podcast. We get it. Okay, but but so the piano. The piano. And the clarinet mm -hmm. and the saxophone mm -hmm. and the flute. Mm -hmm. 
Which one was the most difficult for you to learn, and which one is the one you enjoy the most? I am thrilled I learned piano at age five when I had no idea how hard it was. Mm. I'm really thankful. If you knew what you were getting into. Huh? Absolutely. I am aware of people who try to learn instruments, or specifically try to learn piano, as, a, as an adult, and it is harder. Mostly because these adults already have a bunch of other things to do. If I had to learn how to play piano while I'm also trying to perfect a career, pay my bills, raise four cats, and that list goes on, that's a little harder to do. I but wonder if that kind of goes along the lines of learning a new language, Absolutely. Too. I, yeah. I agree it's the same kind of thing. When the, uh, the brains are sponge-worthy and there's not a whole lot interrupting the person, it's really easy to learn. The other benefit I had, again, with the, uh, the sibling setup, the uh, third and fourth of the siblings also played piano and so i got to watch them mm -hmm. play and i think it was it may not have been set up this way but i sort of understood that when i turned five i got the opportunity to do what my siblings were doing it didn't look like a chore it looked uh -huh. like a rite of passage or an opportunity uh, did uh they also did, did they say stuff like hey you could have the opportunity to paint this fence out here hey you can have the opportunity no, to uh no. clean up this no no the the chore the chores were understood huh. and uh, as one became of age to safely do something that, yeah that wasn't horrible um i wasn't the biggest fan of inheriting the whole lawn thing from my brother when he went off to college and then left town uh, to become an adult afterwards um that that was just something that that looked like a chore that did not look like an opportunity yeah. but practicing piano playing piano at age five that felt that felt like an opportunity so see, maybe that's more of a calling see i i've got an issue in my brain when it comes to like yard work and stuff like that where my kids want to help they want to participate and most people would be like yeah just why, why not i mean you got free labor right there what's the deal they want to do it I guess I'm just too much of a um, perfectionist. Per perfectionist. I'm a control freak, and <laughs> you know, I'm just afraid that that the one time I'm gonna turn around, they're gonna you know scar the top of the yard, and it's gonna take a month to heal, and I'm gonna the, spend the entire month angry at myself for not just doing it myself. I also think it's admirable that you're concerned that they're going to injure the property and yeah. not injure themselves. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean that, that goes uh, Does that just their last name? Yeah, see, they are, uh, they're my spawn, so, I mean, <laughs> the, the injuries are, mm -hmm. yeah, the youngest actually is accident prone like me, and it's, uh, it's a sad thing to see. I'm like, <laughs> yep, sorry about that, and you got that from me. So, where did you and Chris meet? We met in a church in uh, 1992. Grace United Methodist Church, Dayton, Ohio. I was brought in as a paid clarinet soloist for a special concert they were putting on. But I missed the one orchestra rehearsal because of a bad uh, bit of communication. <laughs> so on a Thursday night, it was supposed to be the choir and the three instrumentalists, because I think it was oboe, clarinet, and flute. If I remember correctly, it's been a couple years. Uh -huh. um, so I had to show up on a Saturday for the final choir rehearsal without the other musicians. I had the music in hand, didn't even bring the instrument. I'll just read along. And um, this is before the floaters started to kick in. Absolutely. So absolutely. That wasn't an issue. That wasn't an issue. <laughs> and also at that time, I was easily playing clarinet five, six times per week. So the embouchure was built up and the air control was built up, and all of those skills were. We're there, just oh, okay. Just look at this and do this. Uh -huh. Oh, she's going to cue this. We're cutting this. There's a hold here. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so Chris attended that rehearsal since he was a paid baritone soloist with mm. this choir. 
but you were working four jobs at that time. Cool. Four <laughs> jobs at that time. So uh, he uh, showed up late without intention, made a bigger entrance than everyone else did. <laughs> without intention. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he just made a bigger entrance than everyone did. Um, it was January. Uh, it was the winter. Certainly it was the winter. Um, so that meant a longer coat and maybe a longer sweater. So it was a bigger entrance with a lot of flowing because of a long coat. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, wow. Everyone else, you know, the rest of the choir is standing on the risers. I'm sitting out in the sanctuary all by myself. And this guy comes in basically walking in with long flowing robes. <laughs> and maybe the rest is history. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that's very cool. Hold on a second. What's this? I don't understand this phrase from your answers where, and I feel like I should know it. But uh, you and Chris dine around the alphabet. You probably shouldn't know this phrase. This was something that oh, no. we did create. So, oh. um, so it's a cool. It is a cool phrase. Is it, yep. What does it mean? So when we moved from Dayton to Cincinnati, and that would be ninety-eight-ish. So about nineteen ninety-eight. Neither one of us have kitchen skills. Again, I think we mentioned the membership card has been torn and, and to That's shreds. Right. Yeah, we have no That's kitchen. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that a part of the prerequisite? I mean, to... people will call it the alphabet people or something else, or I, I have other unflattering phrases. But <laughs> um, yeah, so we have no kitchen skills, and we really don't even have much of a desire to learn how to become better cooks, better bakers, better mm -hmm. really anything in the kitchen. Yeah, just, just want to eat. Absolutely. Like, I, do you not get offended? I don't say not offended. Maybe it's a harsh word, but and maybe annoyed is a little harsh too, because I actually do admire people like Chef Andrew Gruel, who can create a masterpiece visually and absolutely and for the palate. It's a, it's an incredible skill, right? But, I'm just again, it doesn't look like an opportunity to me. Right, it looks like a chore. Here's what bugs me: you'll watch these people create a masterpiece in no time flat. I realize that. You know, they edit for time on old on, on TV shows when you we were growing up and stuff like that. But like, I can watch somebody create in our kitchen here some masterpiece in just moments flat. Whereas if I try to do that, A, it's not going to taste as good. Mm -hmm. B, it's not going to look as good. But C, it's going to take five times as long. And what letter am I at? D. Mm -hmm. How many more dishes am I going to dirty? Oh my mm -hmm. gosh! Like, like it is a work zone. It is a construction yes. site. When yes. I try to do what they do, and it ends up looking like a third grader making a birdhouse. If you got to letter F, you'd need the first aid kit as well. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I mean, I'm with you. Somebody else can do the cooking for me. Yes, and <laughs> if that means I have to maybe bring a side dish that I picked up at a grocery on the way over. Over? Yeah. Yes, I'll be doing that. Anyway, so, um, and back at that time, this would be even before the bridge thing took over, and at some point we'll talk about yeah, bridge. Yeah, I got to but, bridge. Um, Dine around the alphabet. Dining around the alphabet. So, when we moved to Cincinnati, we thought, well, we don't really know the area very well. We don't know all the suburbs. We don't know how it's all laid out. We don't know how the, all the road systems work. Mm -hmm. Let's hit the phone book. It was the 90s, everyone. Oh, let's hit the yeah. phone book, and let's find a restaurant that starts with A and just go. Uh -huh. We don't care about the cuisine. We don't necessarily care about the, the neighborhood. Find a restaurant that starts with A. Go, and that's Saturday night dinner. Wow. So did you literally just open up to the A's and put your finger there and go, eh. Um, was, the, there any, was there any recon involved at all? Because I'd be afraid that you would 
see some sort of phrase and you're just like, eh. That's uh, there might be some cuisines we, w- we okay. wouldn't dive right into. Yeah. Uh, neither one of us is going to jump right up and go to an Indian restaurant. Yeah. We might yeah. join others if we think we like the company. Mm-hmm. Other rules were, well, this is a great way to avoid chains. I know there are some people who, if they go out to eat someplace in a, in a different town or even in their own town, they like to avoid chains and they want to support the local economy. So that was one of the rules. If it was a place we had been to before, then we couldn't go again. If we were going to uh, find a second router on the alphabet, if we wanted to repeat one because we really liked it, we had to take someone who hadn't been there before. Oh, wow. And we actually didn't add too many extra rules to this. So yeah. that was really about it. So at that time, I think in the Cincinnati area, we got all the... Oh, and we would do them in order. When we started, we did them in order. So week one was A. Okay, are we on B now? Let's go find the Bs. Yes, there are some letters that are hard to deal with. Right. And sometimes we have to create some rules to deal with the hard to deal with letters. Mm-hmm. But since in Cincinnati, I think we got up to about T before Chris started traveling for his job mm. a whole lot, which made our uh, that spare time uh, a little tougher to navigate. I got you. And, but then it was great to do when we, went, when we moved to Las Vegas. And that was just... You know, Certainly, we knew the Strip because we'd been tourists, but once you uh, leave the Strip, it's a fairly ordinary town. It sprawls, right. but that was a great way to get to know the lay of the land, the neighborhoods, the local cuisines, etc. And so Chris keeps the lists of <laughs> of all of the times we've been through the alphabet. Is it is it kept on a computer, Chris, or is it okay, like a spreadsheet or something? Nice. Yep, yep. It was kept as a Facebook list, but then Chris removed himself from Facebook. So. Oh, Chris is a smart guy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I am not brave enough to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. You guys are members of the American Coaster Enthusiasts. We are former members former. of America. Former members now, of America. Now, is there, is, there, is there a membership card for that? There, yes, there really was. Is, there. It like, is it like a punch card? Like if you do 12 coasters, you get the 13th free? Most or? of the members... This, uh, sounds, this really sounds cool. It really was a fantastic uh, group to be a part of. Um, most of the members, the really serious ones, keep their own censuses of how many different coasters they've ridden. Um, so so hold on a second, yes. and I don't know when. Give me a rough idea when you stopped uh, being. A, it was shortly after we moved to Vegas, uh, just because our spare time got right, kind of sucked up a whole. So lot. that's two thousand eight nine. Yeah, two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, because my brother in law has an app on his phone for for beers that he tries. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think I downloaded it one time and and maybe punched a couple of them, but it's just like, especially when I'm having a beer. The last thing I'm going to do is, is log it. it. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I admire that he's probably got who knows how many rewards, how many beers mm-hmm. that he's... Um, and if you have a goal of not repeating one... Right, right. right. I, think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it because right. he loves new beers and IPAs and stuff like that. And and likes to see oh I've had you know, right. okay so so the coaster enthusiast yeah, is there um, an app or was it is too long ago to be an app then I guess oh well I guess how do you track them oh are your roller coasters um there are so many resources okay. to do that um I, it would not surprise me if some enterprising coaster enthusiast has developed an app to help with that the ch- one of the challenges is. How do you log a coaster that used to exist in one, for example, Six Flags Park, and that got moved to a new Six Flags Park? Well, you've already done it. Right. Do you count it twice because it had a different title, or do you count it once because it's one piece of machinery? So that's always fun. Uh, Um, Wow. That's intense. Yeah. um, There are things happening now where certain wooden coasters are being 
rebuilt, redesigned so that they're loopier than the wooden coasters used to be. Uh, you've got a great example here in the Dallas area with Six Flags with uh, the new Texas Giant, okay. which got completely retracted and now has some great inversions and such. So do you count it as two because you rolled, rode the old Texas Giant and then a second one you ride the new one? So good luck counting all right, of those Right, okay, things. so hold on a second. Have you ever been to Six Flags in Atlanta? No. Okay. Well, sadly, then, sadly then my no. follow-up is non-existent. <laughs> because I remember as a child in the 80s riding the Scream Machine mm -hmm. at Six Flags, mm -hmm. and it was just this rickety old wooden thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time thinking, this doesn't feel safe. <laughs> and I just wondered if you had experienced it. There were Surely it's different now. Uh, no? Oh, no. Well, it, it's been a while since we've actually been on any coaster. It's been a couple of years since yeah. we've been on What's on the best? At all theme park because i have an answer to this in my own head what in your opinion is the best theme park for roller coasters cedar point sandusky ohio wow that's not what i was gonna and go a with. part of it that certainly there's a, a large quantity okay a variety of styles mm -hmm. it's on lake erie so anytime oh, you nice. have a nice high lift you have a great view okay um because, but yeah, that's, yeah I'm, I'm i'm not a big roller coaster guy right. But as I've gotten older, I've actually come to enjoy them more. And I will say, because I'm never the guy who's like, we have to do this, you know? It's just like, ah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, okay, I'll do it. But I'm telling you, the greatest experience as far as a theme park with roller coasters, it was just one after another that I absolutely loved. And let's see if you guys agree. Hershey Park. Had not ever made it to Hershey Park, oh. sadly. As long as we lived in Southwest Ohio, we never made it over Shame. to Hershey Park. But Gotta yeah, get there. yeah, but, uh, visited Kennywood a couple of times okay. in, in Pittsburgh, but uh, yeah, never made it over to Hershey Park, and that was a real shame. Well, um, I and, think uh, yeah. new road trip. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you thought you were going to turn around after this interview and head back to Vegas. You're yeah, actually gonna we're, keep we're going, going a little yeah. bit northeast, as uh -huh. I was just saying. That's right, that's right. So one of the fun things with American coaster enthusiasts, and it, 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 it's a positive both on parks that host events and the organization itself it allows for exclusive ride time and that is when the members of the club ride before the general public gets there and after the general public leaves yes that is a marvelous perk to, uh, to such an organization and then um the coaster enthusiast does have an annual coaster con Coaster Con. Coaster Con. Oh, I need a t-shirt. <laughs> Coaster Con 2022. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, and they do uh, the Roman numerals like the Super Bowls do, but I'm not I'm not sure exactly why unless it's just a fun affectation to do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so how did you get into Bridge, the card game Bridge? Cuz this is a game that I I hear about and obviously you make references to on Twitter, which by the way, what's your uh, Twitter handle on top At of McAvoy TM. Okay. I never really thought I'd become any le level of famous, so I just kind of used the last name yeah. and the first two initials, okay. and also the back of my head, well, the first two initials kind of make it look like a trademark, so that's <gasps> nice. something. Okay, yeah. But, like uh, so but, it's but, tough to parse. But outside of your references to it on Twitter and just seeing it here and there, I have literally never seen a game of Bridge played. I have never obviously played it. <clears throat> How how do you explain it here? Well, I, I know it seems like. First off, I do have to mention that uh, certainly when Chris and I, Chris and I both started playing and participating in tournaments and the national tournaments, we would bring down the average age of the room. I was about to say, yes, uh, yeah. So um, 
can you make some serious bank at these uh, bridge tournaments? We can't. No. I have been told <laughs> that there is such a thing as money bridge, and there are professional oh, wow. players oh. that do allow themselves to be hired by novice players to go earn their master points and oh. earn um, their titles and ranks. But let's go back to the previous question. I which want was ESPN2 actually, to carry it. A tournament, I, oh. a bridge tournament, like a poker tournament. Absolutely. Well, so first you have to find talented announcers, oh. and I think Chris and I could do that. Nice. I'm pretty sure we can. Well, do let's that. start a movement. Step one, though, is the cryon that has to show up on the screen when the first player opens his 13 cards, and it's pretty much the entire chapter one of how to make an opening bid. And as okay. soon as that cryon shows up on the screen, the channels are going to get switched. <laughs> so not if the announcers are good if you guys make it compelling well we might need someone to train us or maybe a good producer or something yeah. say less say more be more animated be less animated yourself <laughs> that's the answer go for what it. is bridge four players always okay. playing in two pairs oh so you're on a team together yes okay so I, the person I, across from you? The person across okay. from me. I am working together with a person across from me. Most right. most introductory bridge books say, cherish your partner. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, there is uh, All 52 cards are used. No jokers. Um, the ranks of the cards are ace, king, queen, jack, on down to deuce. There's no weird jacks like euchre. There's no weird tens like pinochle. Pretty standard ordering of the cards. There is an auction sequence where the four players using a very limited vocabulary, are attempting to describe their hands to their partners. Wow, that's kind of cool. And then... The oh, that, that'd be really cool for the audience that's already in on it. Oh, this happens. Yeah, this the is audience happen. already in on it. Yeah, the audience... Oof. The, the toughest part about this game, and I think one of the reasons it is, it is not as widely played, it's just getting started. Okay, but hold on a second. We've had people ask us, teach, teach me to play bridge. Great, you have nine weeks? Yeah, right. Yikes. It's like code. It is. It's a dialogue. It is a coded dialogue. So, old blue hair grannies are are basically talking in code yes. to each other across a table. A code they possibly have been practicing that, that, for forty years. That's exactly where I was getting at. Right. So they've probably expanded on this language, come oh, up with different absolutely. terms and stuff. So, in other words, let's just say I'm trying to tell you that I have a two. Okay. Well, I don't want to say in front of you know um, Hazel May and. Uh, Eula over here. I don't want them to know that I'm telling you I have a two. But so, so you and I have a code where um, camera is the number for is a word for two, right? So we're getting there. Uh, yeah. This right? is why it takes nine weeks to learn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, eventually, they're gonna realize if you play long enough with Hazel May and Eula, they're gonna realize. Oh gosh, Toby and Chris. Whenever they say camera, it's it's the number two. So describe what Chris is doing right now. He's, he's, oh, he's tapping his ring finger or something. Yeah, that, is, yeah, that might indicate diamonds. And uh, oh, if he looks like he's having a, a, a medical hearts, event, a possibly heart, a heart. heart attack. Yeah, okay, heart, yeah, yeah, not allowed to do those either. Uh, really? So, you yeah. can't do that? You, you have to actually speak the words? So in the bidding dialogue in Bridge, there are bidding boxes now. Wait, wait, hold on. Before you get to that, yes. I want to know what Chris would signal for club and spade. Well, club, okay, yeah. hitting over the head somebody, uh -huh. right? And then a shovel for the spade. Yes, mm -hmm. but you can't do that. Can't do All right, things, that's yeah. stupid. Okay. So with his, with his bidding dialogue, and oddly enough, it is a number, a strain, because this game needs more vocabulary, one of the suits or the term no trump, or there's a pass, or there's a few other things. that, And so... Similar to language, what, there are 26 different definitions for the word run, correct? Mm. So if I make a two-club bid, 
It depends on, am I responding to my partner's opening bid? Am I overcalling to the bid the guy on my right made? Oh my. Did I, am I opening the bid? They mean totally different things so based on weeks. where I gotta, the I gotta, bid occurs. I got to block out nine weeks. Yes. That seems right. So we have bridge. We have our four players. We have 52 cards. Everyone has 13 cards. There's this bidding dialogue. The bidding dialogue ends. A contract has been established. That's a number and a strain. Four spades might be a contract. And that says that the, this pair that bid four spades mm. is uh, will be making 10 tricks, six plus that number, and spades is trump. Who invented this thing? I know, right? Okay. So... That is my introduction to Bridge that I'm willing to not take up all of the podcasts. Sure. But, so, we, we, so we that's have, just getting started. We have several spinoff podcasts for this, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, let me tell you, there, there's a part in the back of my head that says, if I were yeah. independently wealthy or the, the job goes south, how to do this? Yeah. You can how, make Bridge cool. Is there a Bridge con? Well, uh, oh, yeah, old ladies don't travel. There are three annual tournaments. They do year. travel? Yeah. Chris says old oh, ladies yeah. travel. Oh, they well, sure they, do. They would probably flock to Vegas uh, for a bridge. So there is or is not a, a bridge con? There are three NABC, North American Bridge Championships. Oh, wow. I need an NABC shirt and I need a Coaster Con shirt. <laughs> need a Coaster Con shirt. And we're only halfway through. One's going to be easier to get than the other. <laughs> um, I'll just make my own. <laughs> so that's basic bridge. That's four people sitting around their own dining room table, reaching a contract, trying to play... One other weird thing about bridge that doesn't happen in, in other games. So let's say I'm declarer in four spades. I got to make my 10 tricks. Player on my left leads to the opening trick. And my partner puts his hand down on the table as dummy. And I play both hands. The opponents see the dummy. So the opponents see the other hand I'm working with. But I have to work with my hand, my 13 cards, the 13 cards my, my partner has put on the table, and the opponents trying to defeat me. And I think part of the reason it's called bridge is a big part of making that contract is the transportation between getting to my hand and getting to the dummy and leading from the correct place and trying to keep the defenders from setting me. So that's bridge. Duplicate bridge. A room full of people all at their own tables doing that same thing, Having the same configuration of 52 cards, bidding, reaching a contract, playing it, achieving a result, putting their cards back into these little plastic boards, and the board travels around the room. All 24, 27, 28 boards travel around the room, and everyone is assessed based on how they did against everyone else. That's duplicate bridge, tournament bridge, club bridge, and that's what makes that style of bridge much more exciting. Sure. I was in four spades. I was supposed to take 10 tricks. I took only nine, but those people over there took eight. Those people over there only took eight. Those people reached the wrong contract. And that is how, even if I don't make my contract, I can still score better than the rest of the room because I failed less, maybe. How is this not big money involved just learning the rules? <laughs> um, and, and I see that, um, let's see, so so Bridge was invented in 1526, it looks like. How, how many people would you say in the world play it right now? Like 12? Because I don't know how you would follow along with this. Uh, this is, You have to be of a special mind to try to... Um... It, it does have its history in some aristocracy, but I want to also believe that there was some uh, passing it down through the lineage of the families. How did I get introduced to it in the first place? When dad would come home from work and complain about his work day, 
the lunchtime bridge game was the only thing I understood. Oh, wow. You yeah. understood? Oh, that's where the math comes in. Right. Which, by the way, do you have a guess how many people in the world play uh, bridge, roughly? In the world. In wow. the world. Wow. Because I honestly, well, I'm not going to. Would, I would go in the maybe 2 million plus. 200 million. Wow. Okay. I have no. That's. Now, I don't know how they reach them to get them to answer the question. But. Right. That's a great point. Well, maybe they're just getting the, the logs, the rolls from these tournaments. I don't know. Well, so if I play in America and I play in Portugal and I play in Norway, am I three people or am I one? Mm, also, um, with the, the the average age you talked about uh, playing, that number must yeah. be dropping every day. Yeah. ACBL does keep a lot of the metrics of active <laughs> members and average age and things like that. So um, okay. I started playing... In 2007, the last year I was in Cincinnati, even as a kid, one of the books on my nightstand mm -hmm. was Alfred Scheinwald's Five Weeks to Winning Bridge. Oh, nice. And I think it was my dad's old copy. Which, uh, yeah. So you read that, old. absorbed it, and it just came into play later. Yes. Okay, so you're talking about a book there. Uh, you've got a uh, personal friend named Courtney Burns who wrote a book, The Comfort Dog Gave Me Pink Eye. Mm -hmm. First of all, the title is awesome. The yes. Comfort Dog Gave Me Pink Eye. Uh -huh. What is that about? That's the latest book so i am only part way into it sorry courtney <laughs> things got busy yeah. um, and i brought it with me on this trip so I, this all, all this relaxing time i think i'm going to have on vacation i'm actually going to read some more um she's a marvelous friend of ours in vegas she uh does uh counseling at one of the schools we've had some involvement in marvelous wit but she essentially started a um, comfort dog style program at the school Oh, and she was okay. intending to do it anyway, but um, things got a little speedier because of the Mandalay Bay shooting. Mm. And there were some students at that school affected, and so there was an extra reason to put uh, this program in place. Mm. Um, so put it on your reading list or put mm. it on Carrie's reading list. Okay. is actually the person I really want to see. The it. comfort dog gave yes. me a pink eye. Now, yes. Uh, Chris, who's here, like his favorite book apparently is Captains and the Kings, which <laughs> I've mentioned on a previous uh, episode here about the mic. I mean, that book is fascinating. If anyone wants to 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 read a completely fictional story <laughs> about how politics really works in America and around the world, Captains and the Kings, mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Caldwell, uh, great uh, great book. And I don't read a lot of fiction. Which yeah, this one obviously is, right, Chris? <laughs> Total fiction. Vigorous head uh, nod happening across the room. Uh, let's see here. Um, my gosh, man. Talk to me about your cardiac situation in 2012. What happened? 2012. <sighs> and before you get into that tale, I noticed that your favorite comfort food is nachos loaded with, quote, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have something to do with that. Did that, did that have that something card? to do with your uh, heart situation? I've had a bit of a diet change since then, that I is see. true. So yeah. um, I forget why various walks around the neighborhood were happening in uh, early fall 2012. But uh, Chris and I would just go take half-hour walks, get out and enjoy the, the autumn air in the Vegas area because, <laughs> because it had finally stopped being Satan's living room. So you could actually go and... and, and What's and the hottest it's gotten since you've lived there? Yeah, I was going to guess 117. Chris was saying 118 from across the room. So okay. there were, I think I want to say it's September, October walk. And suddenly I just had this incredible pinching sensation uh, in the upper chest. 
And I thought, oh, I need to just stop walking, and I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh Um, So I knelt down on on the sidewalk and went, this is wrong. Because at that point, let's see, 2012, I'm, what, 46 at the time? And I thought, well, this is dumb. So after about five minutes, whatever that was in my chest, released, and we finished the walk home. Okay, Mm. great. And then I started taking assessment of various things in life. There were some job stresses going on. There were some personal, uh, there were some music stresses going on at the time. There was possibly too much of things going on at the time. So I thought, well... I know what I can do to get rid of some of these stressors. So I removed myself from uh, a music organization that it was not a positive experience at the time. I made some changes in the day job, delegate some stuff. This will be fine. And then we went for another walk and it happened again. Like, Mm. okay, this didn't do it. Let's go find one of these cardiologist kinds of people. Found one. He did the EKG, talked about my symptoms. They said, okay, you have angina. Great. And uh, this cardiologist says, um, can I get you to check in to the hospital tomorrow? Oh, wow. And I said, no, because I'm music directing an opera for the next two weeks and I can't leave. But, you know, two weeks, I can do that. Uh, so he's looking at the EKG, he's looking at me, he's looking at my age, looking at the rest of the habits. He goes, you're not a smoker, are you? No. Okay, we can probably wait. <laughs> <laughs> so um but the other thing that was happening was this was also the end of mom's life so it was essentially mom was ill throughout much of leading up to 2012 she had a goal of living all the way through the 2012 general election just to see how the the country was going to turn out yeah. that election didn't go as she wanted it to uh and then she passed so we talked about the election and i it's possible I knew I was going to have to have surgery at that point, but I was trying to figure out, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? Because I know she's not long for this world. Her, her, her kidneys were failing and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the election has now happened, so she's not really interested in hanging out much more. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I know I made the mistake of telling her I was going to have the procedure done. And then she died shortly after that. And then oh. about two weeks after that, about two weeks after that is when I finally had the, the procedure. Anyway, so, um, yeah, had a cardiac stent implanted, which one is generally awake for. I'm sure the people out there who've had them done know this. And so um, get to lie on my back and they shove the thing up the hip and they've been oh, and all that. Yeah. And I get you to feel see. feel all that? No. Okay. The uh, anesthesia works fine. Why do but you have you, to be awake for that? I, 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 I get knocked out when they do a, a, a scope on my throat for literally. Literally five minutes. Right. What is this? So they shove the little camera or whatever to put the balloon in and all that. So one of the things that the cardiologist says to me, there seems to be some need for me to have conversation with him. I don't know. Um, They were, they had identified two blockages. So the goal was to put in two stents and they put in the first one and the blood flow was so good. It knocked the second blockage out. So go wow. me or something. Okay, all right. So, but here's the here's the really here's one of the really one of the other really awful parts of this. So I got to see the screen of okay, this is what your the blockage looks like, and here's where the blood should be going. But you see, it's only trickling, and mm. and of course I'm no glasses on. But okay, I see a bunch of sure, stuff. Doc, I'm glad yeah. it's really mm-hmm. large. But then they give you the, the notice. So we're going to give you some adrenaline. You are going to feel like you want to escape or something, or it induces a little bit of panic. Oh, nice. Don't move. 
What the? Well, because I've got all the stuff on the operating table. Then knock my butt <laughs> out. Yeah. I mean, problem solved. And I, I was really grateful that he described exactly what was going to happen because you yeah. get a real fight, uh, flight or fight. And you can't really go what anywhere. What drug is this? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it is something that causes the heart to go pump, 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 uh-huh. pump. And apparently that's what knocked out the second blockage when, when that when that happened. Okay. So, again, they don't get blue ribbons for that stuff. They should. But um, that was... That was absolutely terrifying but at least i knew that it was coming the entire procedure was somewhat terrifying um i have a fairly horrible uh, family health history and so the fact that i eat like the carnivore that i am is a little surprising Mm -hmm. and i'm only 25 pounds overweight so go me but um doing a cardiac thing like that is like oh i wonder how much more of this is going to be the rest of my history so uh the 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 rest of my the future everything been okay since then yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I see the cardiologist once a year. Okay. They they hook up the EKG stuff. I send them blood work about once a year. It says, "Well, uh, I'm glad I'm on the statin that keeps the cholesterol low." Um, okay, let's go back to your hobby of bridge playing. Mm-hmm. I, sadly, I would talk about that for far too long. There's still some. I'm telling bullet, you, bullet items make I have to hear. <laughs> a podcast, you and Chris talking about bridge, mm-hmm. it, and then before you know it. You're going to get a following, and then you're going to have bridge tournaments on ESPN2. Don't shake your head no, Chris. You know I'm right. So, okay, here's the thing, all right? Uh, I, I didn't get to touch on your Bill Gates bridge story, nor your meeting Barbara Seagram, because who doesn't know Barbara Seagram? <laughs> yes, if, if, one does, if one does a little bit of hunting on uh, bridge teaching or uh, bridge books, we will, we will find the name Barbara Seagram. So there was a, one of these NABCs, okay. North, uh, North American Bridge Championships, in Las Vegas. Chris and I uh, were given the marvelous opportunity to um, head up the... The official name is the Intermediate Newcomer Desk. Mm. And so for people who haven't attended a large tournament before and don't have a lot of master points, I forgot to define what a master point is, who haven't played, <laughs> a, who haven't played a whole lot of tournament bridge, um, they'll come to the newer player desk. And if they have arrived at the tournament without a partner, which is entirely possible, this is where they come to meet other unmatched players and uh, have a quick okay. chat and find yeah. out if they're compatible and to see if they can play 24 hands of bridge without knifing each other, then we call that a success. But now, wait, is it difficult to have a, a partner that you just met when you don't speak maybe the same code language? It's a little tougher, but it is not impossible. Okay. There, are, right. there are rules, there are standards, there are basics that everyone should should agree on but that's part of that intro chat to make sure that you actually agree on all the basics and if you happen to have a few extra gadgets in your bidding system you either agree not to use them or you both use them I gotcha. So, okay. so while we were there for a week and a half um, chairing up this desk um, the tournament chair Thank you, Liz. The tournament chair made sure that I got to meet prolific author Barbara Seagram and um, I That's a big a deal, huh? Total fanboy. Right. Total fa- I would not have been able to recite my name. I just kind of stared at And she's a little tiny, tiny woman. She's short and slender and well-dressed and uh. big bright eyes. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. bridge right. card game. I was just, I was completely awesome. struck. So That's that was cool. too much fun. So, but, but then what's the Bill Gates story? So, and this was before Chris was playing with me at tournaments. I think it just started, but he didn't join me to a tournament. This was um, a tournament, a national tournament in Seattle. I really don't remember the year so one of the styles of tournament bridge play is actually team play so 
you and I and Chris and give me a fourth. Oh, wow. You and I and Chris and call him Pat, maybe. Oh, cool. Okay? So Chris and I would sit north-south at table A and send you and Pat to go be east-west at table B. Wow. The east-west sitting at our table is teamed up with the north-south at your table. Oh, wow. And then we play a number of hands tabulate the results. Do you have any idea how we're doing over the other table? Not until you come back and mm. report your results. Wow. So we'll have, for example, six boards. There are three on our table, three on your table. We play those three. The, the boards get flipped. We play the other three. You come back. We, we compare. So there's a variant on that called knockouts where the, oh, the two teams... I. F- Traditionally, we'll pay, play, it's 12 or 24, 24 boards. And the team that does better goes on to the next round. Okay. With knockouts at a tournament, how you go to the next round is that you pay for the next session. Okay. So that's, what once it's determined who the winner is, you just have to pay to go to the next, next session. Well, I don't know who all was on bill gates's team this time we didn't play his team we were sort of in the room and we knew some directors who knew what the problem was the team his team had won but they all went to dinner before anyone paid and so my dear friend cindy actually said well i'll spot them the fee do you think he's good for it they figured out that I that was oh. it was okay that bill gates and his team didn't actually pay do we know if bill gates ever paid hmm? we don't i know believe that. so i'd like to know if one of the most wealthy people in the history of the planet paid for his bridge game or not. Well, and I America say, needs to know this. W- wealthy and technologically wise right. sometimes leads to absent-mindedness. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so how did um, you were playing craps? It was this in Vegas when David Hasselhoff ran into you? <laughs> it was. Uh, so the, uh, it was early on, early after we'd moved to town, so 08 or 09, <laughs> and we had gotten a deal on, oh, here's a stereotype we've actually lived up to. So we saw Barry Manilow in concert. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and let's see, the property is now the Westgate, but I think at the time it was the Las Vegas Hilton. And so we saw the concert. And one of the dignitaries in the house in the audience at that time was David Hasselhoff because he was in town performing with the producers if I remember oh, correctly. Wow. When, yeah when it was one of the shows uh-huh. there on the trip so he had uh, his show was dark that night he was uh, so he was out there he was partying it up he's allowed to what David Hasselhoff I alert the media so I found one of the craps tables there and Chris was off to the side and so it was Chris that kind of reported to me that I, I heard a commotion behind me and essentially, it was Mr. Hasselhoff and entourage and keepers and handlers and such kind of just sh- getting him out quickly. But he, there was apparently some staggering, and I almost had him run into me while I was at the craps table. Oh, wow. Uh, I missed the whole thing because I was focusing on doing everything that's, well, that's, too bad. Edi- that's correct by etiquette at the craps table. Oh, better focus straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, that's too bad. Dyson, one hand only, hit the other, hit the other side of the table. Always better to bounce them out than bounce them short. That's something I've tried to learn that failed miserably. So here's part. Oh, no. Showing things about my personality, good, bad, or indifferent. Okay. One thing about craps, it's an ideal game for people who just can't do one thing at a time. If you insist on doing seven, eight, nine things at a time, craps is the game for you. Yeah. And then the other thing, which really relates back to the music as well, 
It's the applause. When mm. I have a really good oh, role, and okay. even if I'm making myself a little tiny amount of money, but uh -huh. I'm making other people at the table larger amounts of money, oh, the yeah. applause is addictive. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, um, let's, uh, let's shift gears here. I we got to come back to bridge, though, but keep going. Wait, what else we got to do on bridge? Tiffany, this one's for you. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, man, someone's got to teach my friend Tiffany how to play bridge. That led to, oh, holy crap, I have to teach my friend Tiffany how to play bridge. That means I have to go learn how to teach bridge. Mm. Hey, Chris, let's go learn how to teach bridge. And so we've been doing that for about three years now. We have several classes, and most of which we borrowed from the world of fine arts, either from our theater hobby or um, other instrumental hobbies that I've had. And what the other thing is we were grabbing them from the non-retired population. And so we get a lot of kudos in the Vegas area for, you're bringing young people into our <laughs> clubs. Nice. You're yes, we're doing what we can. That's really yes. cool. Okay. Anyway, okay. No, that's great. So I, I love your um, your answer. You want to go back in time and meet Ben Franklin just to convince him that daylight savings time is a... Not the best idea yeah. in the world. I, I'm sure at the time, well, and the, the stories have been told about what he was trying to accomplish. Yeah. There might have been other ways to have accomplished it or say, yeah, you can try this, but maybe put a sun sunset on it and nice. pull the people and say, if this doesn't work, let's get rid of it and maybe try something else. Uh -huh. But, oh, what a pain in the nether regions. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's time for it to go. And I often wonder, because it was W, George W. Bush that changed the dates, right? Yes, uh, with a with with a Democratic Congress, um, I think, right? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But yes, George W. Bush did change in his second term the daylight saving time. And so I always wonder if part of the challenge in getting rid of it is that someone knows, someone has done the math to determine how expensive it would be to get rid of it and to change all of the operating systems to say, get rid of it totally. Yeah. The flip side of that would be though, why don't we just have all the operating systems saying, okay, everyone behave like Arizona Yeah. and then proceed. Yeah, so, because it was under the guise of, I think, I think in spring three extra weeks and fall one extra week. And what that does is we have to use less energy, blah, blah, blah. It was a whole green thing that they were pushing. Mm -hmm. And what that Science. did is it changed Halloween because it used to be dark early and the kids could go and trick or treat earlier. And now it's bright daylight when it's, you know, evening time. Oh, it's madness. Mm -hmm. Just <laughs> stupidity. Okay. I love this um, bucket list stuff. Let's go through these real quick. Uh, visit every MLB stadium, which I love that idea. However, as they're constantly building new ones, are you, are you, are you, are you ticking off cities or just every stadium? It was every stadium for a while, and then it was going to be every National League stadium for a little while. And um, and then it became NL West. And before you know it, we're like, ah, I'm not traveling. Right. <laughs> well, and again, who can make long-range plans? Right, yeah, not in this new era. And, of course, we have to find out where we can actually attend because we are unvaccinated Americans. So, um, bro. Uh, bro. <laughs> what's, um, what's been your favorite so far, stadium-wise? Oh, golly. Have you been to Truist Park? A, we have not been to a whole lot of them, regrettably. Mm -hmm. that, that's Petco in San Francisco, right? No. It's San Diego's Petco. San Diego's Petco. San Francisco is... Candlestick. I don't. I the forgot new one, the new one. The one yeah. after Candlestick. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I just call it that. So hold on. Um, you been to Truist Park in Atlanta? No. 
Okay, well, if you do go, the battery area outside where all the shops are and the restaurants are really cool. The only thing I would say about Truist that really bugged me in taking my kids is that you had to get an earlier ticket. It was an extra fee to get in for batting practice. It, excuse me? This is America. Are you kidding? It, it, it wow. really rubbed me the wrong way. Trying to monetize everything. Yeah, especially considering, you know, when I was a kid and we'd go to Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, you know, we would get there so early. And that was part of the experience of going to the ballpark is just watching batting practice. Mm -hmm. So, I, again, I, I didn't look into it enough to see if this was a regular thing, if it was just weird because it was a weekend. I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. But also I would say, and I hate to say this, in right field where the Chop House restaurant is <laughs> and players are constantly hitting home runs into the Chop House. So the last time we went, we we're like, we're eating at the Chop House this time. Man, it's so overrated. So I yeah. would just say eat eat at one of the restaurants outside of <laughs> Truist Park. Uh, you know who's got great food is the Rangers. The Rangers, oh, really? and it's not ridiculously mm -hmm. uh, expensive. From what I remember, the one time that I actually had to buy a meal there, I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's not bad. But anyway, so... And if we visit an unfamiliar city and we find out that there's minor league baseball, we will almost always stop in. Yeah, yeah. Too bad you're not here right now during baseball season. Yeah. Urgh, uh, the new stadium for the Rangers, I really like it. It looks silly from the outside, but inside it's, <laughs> it's nice. Okay, you want to visit every U.S. state. This is a goal that I have as well. Mm -hmm. How are you coming along on that? So Chris found a great map which optimizes the route. Nice. Oh, <clears throat> this is I need this link. Mm -hmm. Okay. He'll, so, yeah, he'll so, make it available to so you. So how many um how many states have you got on your belt? Haven't, we haven't counted in a while. You um, need to update that. Yeah, we do. Okay. Um, Did you have a rough estimate? I don't, I, I don't think we're even at the 25 mark, though. Oh, okay. No. There, oh. There's a lot in the middle of the country, especially the north-central part, part of the country we just mm. have missed. There's um, no baseball stadiums there. That is correct. And so. there there are very few roller coasters. There are very few uh. amusement parks, because that was the other reason. So that was one of the things with the American Coaster. Yeah. Just, it gave us a reason to travel each summer. Yep. It, it helped make the travel plans. That, uh, here, well, here's the other reason that we kind of said goodbye to that. Um, the bridge tournaments were giving us a reason to travel. And go, yep. go go to a place we might not ordinarily go to, again, with a goal. Uh, we've talked to people who do this. Let's go on vacation. Go find a body of water. Take a book. Find some alcohol. Mm -hmm. And have a vacation. I'm like, I don't understand this. Mm, you have I to kinda, have a goal. I have to have something to do. Yeah. So this week is going to be a little strange. I mean, I have this goal. But I, we have a few other days. I have looked up where the bridge, uh, where some bridge clubs are here in town. So oh, well. we may play tomorrow. We may play uh -huh, on Thursday. Nice. So they'll be surprised that wow, these people are visiting. They want to show up here. Oh well. So I have some phone calls to make today. But yeah, that so that was a big part of the reason uh -huh. of both of those organizations. It was a reason to travel. Right. And so right. now visiting parks, visiting the states, well, will be a reason to travel. Please do yourself a favor, and I hate to really um, publicize this. Although of course I absolutely did just this on my Twitter feed. Um, a while back is you got to get to Glacier National Park. Mm. You got to see Northern Montana. I mean, oh. just the whole state itself is just. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, we made it to Montana about a year ago, but did not get that far north, get, if I remember correctly. Get back. Mm -hmm. Get back. It's Oh, yes, because I remember all the photos from this <laughs> summer or early fall. Which was yeah, it? Yeah, it was summer yeah. of 2021. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um <sighs> Let's see. Uh, on Twitter, you're McAvoy TM, M-C-E-V-O-Y-T-M. Mm -hmm. -E yes. Um, 
Any other places that we can uh, find you on the interwebs? I mean, I have the same handle at Instagram. I use it very rarely. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, if I happen to snag a photo of uh, something that happened at a breach tournament, or look, I'm here. (laughs) Uh, What about Chris? Is is Chris on social media anywhere? Uh, See, he said goodbye to... See, because he's smart. Yes, absolutely. And and really peaceful with a well-managed blood pressure and... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's good. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for driving all this way. I hate uh, you have to now turn around and head straight back to <laughs> Vegas. I mean, that's a. I, I we could have done this remotely. Uh, if I, I don't. Known. I don't have this fancy setup though. I don't know how great I would sound right, remotely though. Right. Yeah. Another again, that's another problem with us possibly teaching bridge remotely or teaching oh, bridge online. Gosh, yeah. There's a significant audio setup that has to be handled. You know what though? You, you reminded me. You're talking about the the technical setup and everything. I would encourage anybody that's that's looking into starting. Um, a podcast or something like this. I can't believe I'm I'm throwing this out there because he didn't tell me, he didn't ask me to and I don't really know if he can do all this, but you know what? You should reach out and and ask Rob Borowski who's involved with um with with Pat Gray Unleashed, the show that I'm the producer for, and also Rob has been a tremendous help in the technical stuff with this podcast and getting the episodes uploaded to say YouTube or in fact this podcast would have never made it out there into the world because I had no idea how to how do you push it out Rob right. yeah. teach me do this right. and so um so you should reach out to uh, Rob Borowski right. and see what he charges uh-huh. for uh, uh the technical setup uh, on Twitter at TV's Rob underscore official all right TV's Rob underscore official <laughs> again he has not told me he is. Uh, he's got a business. He hasn't told me anything. I'm just telling you that he needs to. You need to reach out to him. I think you, as we've already discussed here, people sometimes start businesses even if they don't want to, or right? they, they have a little hobby and suddenly becomes a business. And truly, I am terrified of the possibility of online bridge instruction well, taking off. I'm telling you what. Here's 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 the three <laughs> T-shirts I need. Okay, I need an NABC T-shirt. I need a CoasterCon t-shirt and whatever podcast you end up making for bridge <laughs> instruction, like, uh, you know, Toby and Chris, uh, bridgelessons.com. I need that shirt as well. And you better go and buy that uh, domain before I... Uh, oh, yes. So I had considered at some point uh, trying to secure the URL, Toby and Chris Teach Bridge. Boy, is that wordy. Um, but... Maybe Underground Bridge Studio becomes a thing. We have because we teach in an untraditional oh. way, and we teach out of our own home. Oh, nice! Underground Bridge Studio. You're already ahead of the curve <laughs> on this. You don't need any prompting from me. Get out of here. I All still right. need the equipment, hookups, and knowledge <laughs> yeah. and stuff, and spare time. Yeah, but you can you can get some good knowledge from from Rob on that. For wow! Sure. All right, spectacular. Well, Toby, thanks so much for coming in Thank here today. You, I really Keith. appreciate it, man. This has been a blast. I'm really glad we were able to do this. Me too. Toby McAvoy, he's such a great guy. I'm so glad we had the chance to get to know him better today. Uh, be looking for that website, by the way, for all of your bridge-playing needs. Uh, if you enjoy meeting new people through this podcast, I hope you'll rate and review it. And please send your friends and families. Send your enemies to atthemikeshow.com as well. Uh, maybe that'll bridge a gap for you there, huh? And there's also show merchandise always available through at themikeshop.com. I hope you'll check that out as well. 
Hey, next week we're going to sit down with a guy I work with at The Blaze, one of the unsung heroes behind the scenes. He's a producer for Jason Whitlock's show, and his name is Justin Kraut. He's a great guy. I can't wait for you to meet him. But until then, uh, you know what I ask. I hope you will go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.